Would you turn again to that portion of the word we read together in First Peter in chapter four? And we may read at verse twelve. First Peter chapter four and at verse twelve. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As so some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now there are certain things that are true of every true Christian. There are certain marks in the life of everyone who is a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, a true Christian is always aware of their own sinnership. They never lose sight of the fact that they have been saved, but they never lose sight of the fact that they are also still sinners. Saved sinners. And every true Christian also is very aware then of their unworthiness of that salvation. Aware of their unworthiness of the mercy of God that has been extended to them. And no Christian ever forgets that. And it's also true that every believer wishes that they were more Christ-like in their lives. And it is ever something that disturbs them, how little of Christ-likeness is evident, not just to those around them, but also as they look at their own lives and their own hearts, even if nobody else knew anything about them. They are those who often are grieved in their own spirits at how little of Christ and Christ-likeness is evident with themselves. Now, these things are obvious, I think, to every single believer. But there is also one other thing that is always true of the Christian, and it is what is brought before us in Scripture time and time again, particularly some we're looking at today. And it is for all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Not just some, not just the most holy, not just the most Christ-likeness, like, or those who are not at least, as it were, like Christ, but all. And it's and all that live godly that brings out 
the persecution against them. Now, of course, that can be in varying uh, degrees for each of us, but there has never, ever, ever been a believer in the whole world of whom this is not true, that they will suffer in one way or another persecution. It is not just to expected friends to sometimes occasionally to come your way, but it will always be there. We are not to think it strange concerning these things. We are not to think it is odd that this has come our way. It will always be there. Think it not strange, which is to try you. It is all here about the present tense. It is to do with the here and now. Now, thankfully, while these things are true, thankfully, nevertheless, the scripture also makes clear for us uh, that God gives grace, as we have it in Corinthians. No temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful in that he will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will the temptation also give you a way of escape. That is thankful for that as well, friend, that that is there for us. Now, obviously, Peter is speaking here to believers. Beloved, he said, thinking not strange. Now, while temptations uh, are often put in our path from the world and trials as well, likewise, and that should be expected, let us also, friends, be careful that we who profess to love the Lord, to be believers, that we are not guilty of causing grief to any of our brothers and sisters in Christ. That we don't come and be used even of the devil to cause difficulties and trials for his own people, for our brothers and sisters in Christ that we don't cause any of them to stumble or even to cause them any grief by our careless talk, by our godless actions, maybe bringing trials into their lives that should never be there at all. You know, friends, it is grievous enough to face the world and have the difficulties that the world brings into our experience. Grievous enough to be wounded by the enemy's arrows, as it were. But how much more painful when we are wounded in the house of our friends. The need we have to be aware of each other's need and to seek not to bring any extra burden on any of our fellow believers through our actions, our words, and our sinful thinking. Well then, let us consider what we have here particularly. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. First of all, a fiery trial. No, friends, there are trials and trials that we all have to face in this life. Different trials. Sometimes they come our way just for 
simply that we're living in this world, in this sinful world. Because of that, there will be trials, and there will be difficulties, and temptations will come. And there'll be things that are common to all men. There'll be pain, there'll be sicknesses, there'll be diseases, and so on. But here it speaks about a fiery trial, which obviously is referring to more than just the normal, uh, as it were, ever day-to-day thing that we have to face. There seems to be something here of temptations and persecutions and difficulties beyond the norm. It is a fiery trial. This has to do with something more severe, probably godless, and even of a satanic influence that he is thinking about here. Now, friends, we cannot ignore the reality that some things are, in one sense, all these things are allowed into an experience by the Lord himself. Nothing happens without him knowing. He is not the author of sin, of course, but he knows all things. And there are some things allowed into our experience that sometimes we find hard to understand, but they are always there for a purpose. There is nothing without a purpose. Well, what have we got here? This fight trial. What is that here? It is, it says here, to try you, to try you. And this is what's brought before us. Thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. In other words, there's a testing in them. In other words, this is of a purifying nature. It's the idea of separating uh, the dross from the pure metal. It's the idea of making us holy. And out of it should come that holy improvement, if I can put it that way, in our lives. All these things for a purpose, especially when you think of what we have in the very first chapter, where he speaks about chapter 1, verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. It is the idea there of a purifying. It is the whole idea of a reason for it to bring us to be more and more conformed to himself. It is again what is brought before us, the the extreme, if you like, of the fiery trial. Remember what we have in Hebrews 11, stone sawn asunder, tempted, slain with a sword, wandered about with sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented. There is the, if you like, the, 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 the extent or the full extent at its height, at its zenith of persecution and trial and difficulties. Now, of course, well, maybe we don't have that to the same degree today. Nevertheless, friend, what can be in your cup and mine can be very painful and can be very difficult to deal with as well. But friends also notice, it doesn't say by the trial which is to destroy you but to try you. And there's a great difference. There's a great difference. It is not about destruction. Yes, such trials in the hand of the enemy have the purpose in view to destroy you. That is always the case, to make a separation, as it were, between the believer and his God. 
and it is to destroy you in that way, to destroy that union that is there. But you can be encouraged, friend, that even in such trials, to remember this, that might be the intention of the evil one. That might be intention of the world who may be used by the evil one. But remember, as you well know, ah, nothing shall separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, O Lord. And Peter here, it seems, is warning that something very difficult is going to come their way. It's as if he knows what is coming their way, and he is warning them about it. Think it not strange, he says, concerning this. It's not either as if it hasn't happened to others before them. It's not either as it happened to those who have gone before. There's nothing in that way strange about it. This is what should be expected. Or for them, it was of a level that we can hardly take in. But for us also, dear friend, the biggest trial and the biggest tidy trial may be just round the corner for yourself. And we don't know what the Lord is going to allow and permit into our experience. Oh, how we need to be in prayer and how we need to walk close with the Lord. And so here is the lot of all of the Lord's people. It is to all of the Lord's people. And here, tried and tested Christian here today, why is it? that the world and the devil is at enmity with you. Why? Well, it's not because of who you are per se, but because of you being united to Christ. It is the unity, the union that you have with Christ that draws down the enmity and the hatred and the spite and the opposition and the fiery trial that is coming your way. God rules and overrules in these situations. But every trial of your faith and faithfulness is in your experience because of your being united to Christ. That is the reason that is there. Because of that union and unity with the Lord. In other words, because you're not of the world. And that is the reason for it. Oh, if you were of the world, you wouldn't know anything of these trials. And indeed, when you were in the world, you didn't know anything of that depth of trial that sometimes maybe, you know, maybe some even here today, this very morning itself. And then it follows then that if you today know nothing of such trials, well, you know nothing of Christ as your Savior. And as they say in some situations, some things come with the territory. And one of the things that comes with the territory of being a Christian is that your faith will be tried and you love testing and you love difficulties and you will have opposition. So, my friends, think it not strange. Indeed, be encouraged that you are one who knows something of them. Are they easy, therefore, to bear because, well, you know that God is in control. You know that you're the Lord's, therefore, they're easy to put up, but not at all. 
But the strange thing here is that it's very strange in one way for us, what is spoken about in verse 13 and 14 here. It speaks about rejoicing. Rejoicing as much as partakes of Christ's suffering. It even speaks there about happiness. You know, it's amazing that this is what is brought out before you hear, that we are to be happy in the situation. We are to rejoice in that situation. How can that be? How can that be for us? Well, it is only when you realize by faith, this is a mark of the people of God. This is a mark of the Lord being in my life. And the devil cannot counterfeit that in your experience. What you have, friend, of these fiery trials is because of who you are, of because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you can say in the midst of them all, this is where faith comes in, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You see, friends, these trials and these fiery trials, at whatever level, in the hand of the Spirit, they are there to sanctify you. In other words, you are being prepared for glory. And you accept and you don't deny one thing. I need to be prepared for glory. I need holiness in my life. I need to be more Christ-like. And whatever it takes, I should accept that. You see, friends, when we all know times and we are so thankful for them, times as we're of sunshine in our lives, when God is shining down upon us and it's, it's just so wonderful to know, to feel, to be a Christian. But it also takes the winds and the rains and the buffetings of the storms to make us what we need to be to be ultimately with Christ in his glory. So there are fiery trials, friends, that come our way. But then secondly, we are told, as we just mentioned in the passing, we are not to think it strange. Verse 12, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try. In other words, the apostle is saying to them here, don't be taken by surprise. We often find, do we not, and which of us, when we began following the Lord, and for the first while, everything was just so wonderful, and then one day things changed. And in our innocence, as it were then, we couldn't believe that this could be true. How can these things be in my life? I'm now... I, I have, as it were, given my life to Christ. I'm following Christ. I love the Lord. And now what has come into my experience? Well, friends, we shouldn't be surprised. It is part of living in this world. It is part of what God is allowing into our experience. Indeed, except the buffeting and the opposition of the world is there, we should expect it if we are following the Lord as we ought to. When you think, really, friends, after where are you living? 
whether you're living today, your life as a Christian, you're living in enemy territory. In this world, that the devil is ruling. Enemy territory. So do you expect to be in enemy territory and not the enemy to oppose you, to fight against you, to do all he can in his power? We shouldn't think it's strange. This world, friend, for the Christian, this world is not our home. We are passing through this world. And the world, if you think about it, opposed and rejected and despised your master. Well, my friend, will it not the same to us? What do we expect? We shouldn't think it's strange. What does the Lord Jesus say elsewhere? If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Why then are we surprised? Why are we surprised at the opposition, at the difficulties, at the trials, the fiery trials, even that come that way? Now, I am sure here, as I confess, I would once say myself, maybe you don't profess to be a Christian here today, but you say, I don't hate Christians. I don't hate Christ. And I am sure I am not the only one who thought of God at one time, even in living in the world. I have nothing against Christians. I have nothing against coming to church. I have nothing against the Bible of God. Well, let me ask you this then. Do you love the Lord? Can you say that you love the Lord? Well, is that a different thing altogether? Where is the proof in your life that you love the Lord? One thing even to say it and have a hope, but the proof has got to be in your life as well. It has to be there. If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You don't hate God. You don't hate Christ. You don't hate people of God. You have no problem with them. Are you willing to follow? Are you willing to give your life over to follow the master? There's the proof of it. But Christian here this morning, it should be an astonishing thing to you if in any way whatsoever you've got a comfortable journey through this life. Now, none of us friends should be looking for trials. None of us should be, oh, I wish I had difficulties more than I have in my experience. Not saying we should be going looking for troubles in that way. But it's not true that far too often, as another former godly member in the congregation here, who gone to glory, said, eloquently one time to someone else, too many Christians are looking to get to heaven on a cruise liner 
and not on a battleship. And there's all the difference. It is a battle. It is a fight. We should not think it's strange that we're in stormy waters. We should not think it's strange that we have opposition. We should not think it's strange that, that, that difficulties come as well out of nowhere and catch us by surprise so often. Ah, beloved, think it not strange concerning the Friday trial. Let us remember the promises that we have. Let us remember the hope that is ours. Let us remember the many assurances that we have that in this world will have much tribulation. What do we expect? What do we expect? That things are going to be easy? That the life of the Christian, one thing is in the true friend, that you soon learned, not very long in the Christian way, that uh, it's not that easy. But there's nothing, no other way like it, nevertheless. Willing to suffer for the sake of Christ. But let us be encouraged also that when we pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And when we pass through the rivers, they will not overflow thee. When we go through the fires, you will not be burnt. In other words, in every trial, in every situation, we shouldn't think it's strange that they come. And neither should you think it's strange that the Lord is not far away in them, that is there to help in every time of need. And when you think of our Savior himself, he didn't think it's strange that there was such opposition to him in his life of obedience. Why then should you and I be any different in these matters? And it won't be any different if we are faithfully following our master. You see, the trouble very often is, and I think as much today, and I, I, I'm speaking about myself, I'm speaking about any of us here and elsewhere. Trouble so often now is that we have no great troubles living as Christians in this life because we don't live the Christian life as we ought to. And we are not showing forth what it is to be a true follower of the Lord. Now, I know that can be very general. I, 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 maybe I'm, I'm being too hard on some, but I'm speaking about myself, and I'm sure I'm speaking about some of you. Put your amen to this. There is so little opposition at times. Why is it? Because surely it is because of this, this lack that we have in our lives. And we think it's strange when we are facing opposition. Well, we shouldn't be. Think it not strange, Scripture says, concerning it, which is to try you. We shouldn't think it's strange. We shouldn't think it odd. We shouldn't think it is something that shouldn't come our way. After all, I'm a Christian. I'm living as I can. I'm doing the best I can. I'm walking with the Lord. I'm doing all that I should be doing. And it's all about self. Not realizing that the world is out there in opposition. Not to us, as I said, because of who I am or who you are, but because of Christ. And there is where the opposition lies. Should we be any different to our master? 
Abba won't be, as I said, if we faithfully follow him. So, dear friends, fiery trials, but we shouldn't think them strange that they are coming our way. And then thirdly and finally, it also speaks, I mentioned earlier, of rejoicing. Verse 13, but rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Rejoice. How? Why? That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. You see, you rejoice because it's about being identified with your master. And what better reason to rejoice in our suffering? Because it is because of him that has come your way. Friends, this is the path, difficult, yes, but it's the only path to be on. There is no other way. There is no other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved. This is the only path uh, from grace to glory. And it is there, as, as Paul writes to the Romans, speaks about the glory and tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. There is what we need. He is what we need. Does the Savior himself not say elsewhere, blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake? Blessed. Rejoice in it. If this is the reason, believers rejoice in the reality that the Lord is preparing us for heaven. That's what it's all about. It is not about living on in this life forever and ever. It is preparing us for the glory that is to come. But why through such tribulations? Why do through such fiery trials? Why is the Lord allowing these things into my life? Because it's the best way, and he knows it's what you need. Oh, could, could that not have been left out of my experience? Did this have to happen to me, to my family? Does this have to happen to friends? Well, friends, it is allowed because it is what is needed. And it is what is good for you and I. And it is ultimately what you will one day also, I believe, praise him for. You will one day, and I will one day, praise him and thank him. And you'll thank him for every single trial that was in your life. In one sense, if we can put it this way, I believe that in glory that every one of God's people and some who have suffered far more than any of us will, thank you, Lord. You never left one single thing out of my experience. You will see there and I will see there the reason for it all. And you'll praise him for it. And indeed, if it were possible, we'll, we'll be so ashamed that we ever even questioned that it could be otherwise. Ashamed when in glory that we might have kicked against the pricks at times, that we resented some of the things that were in our lives. We'll notice it all, we'll remember it. Or notice here, 
the rejoice as well. Rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Rejoice. And it is not to do with when you get to heaven. It is to do with the here and now. It's not to do with the peace of heaven that we are rejoiced when we get to glory, but it's to do with the here and now. In the trials, in the fiery trials, we are to rejoice. So is that easy? Of course it isn't. But when we have the big, bigger picture in view and we see beyond the difficulties and the trials of now, then we'll see it here again. And I was thinking about here, but in the original language, it's again speaking about the present tense. It's a continued ongoing activity. It is to do with now. This is the time that you rejoice that you are partakers of Christ's suffering. And we have to remember, friends, as we go through these trials, that what we have here is the Lord at work. Because he is not, neither we could remember this, he is not one that has not been touched with the feeling of our infirmities. It is no strange thing to him. And you, friend, united to Christ, how to accept that as well. After all, he that toucheth you, we are told in Zechariah, says the apple of his eye, precious to him. You know, friend, you may be nothing in the eyes of the world around you. But I believe you are never more loved than when you suffer for righteousness' sake, for the sake of Christ. Rejoice in as much as partakers of Christ's suffering. There's a teaching some people speak about that the Lord loves the poor because they are poor and the oppressed because they're oppressed. Well, no doubt our gracious God is aware of the sufferings and the difficulties and the oppression of any. But there shall love, friends, with an eternal saving love that he has for only those who love Christ and who are in Christ. And what is always true of the Christian, those who love the Lord, they are those who are reproached for the name of Christ. Verse 14, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. It doesn't make sense to the world, does it? How can you be happy when you've been reproached, when you're going through difficulties? In the name of Christ. There's the key. When you're suffering for his sake. This is what is most important for us. Here is what we are looking at. An approach for the name of Christ. Dear friends, remember uh, those are the, the, the apostles in prison who were uh, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Ah, never be ashamed. Never be ashamed to suffer for his name. Well, my friend, how are things in your own experience today? Do you know something of trials? I know that you do. Do you know something maybe of fiery trials in the past or even today? And in the future, will be there as well. Of course, there will be. But it's all part of being who you are as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever you're facing at this time, illness, unexpected, grief, unexpected, trials in your life, 
in personal matters that you cannot bring before anyone else. Think on this. It is all for a purpose. And better to bear the cross now and gain the crown later. No cross, no crown, as they say. There'll always be opposition. There'll always be an Ishmael mocking or persecuting Isaac. But friend, rejoice, dear friend, in this. There shall glory awaiting, where there shall be no more sorrow and no more pain and no more trials and no more difficulties. But what you and I must do is persevere to the end and think it not strange regarding this fiery trial that is coming upon us. We are being prepared for glory if we are the Lord's people. Richard Baxter wrote these few words. Thinking of glory, Baxter wrote, said, my knowledge of that life is small. My eye of faith is dim. But it's enough for me that Christ knows all and I shall be with him. Let us pray. Oh, blessed Lord, forgive us for our failings, for our lack of understanding, for the coldness of our hearts, for not seeing thy hand in our lives as we ought to. Oh, help us even now to commit ourselves anew to thee and to go out into the world that opposes us so much and not to be ashamed to own thee. Enable us by thy spirit to speak and to show that despite whatever comes into our experience, despite difficulties and trials, that we still trust in the Lord and believe that all things ultimately work together for our good, but more than that, for the glory of our Saviour. In whose name we pray. Amen.